a Father, Son, a Spirit, we indeed praise your name. All that you've done, man, I just think of from creation uh, to the incarnation, to the manger, uh, to the cross, to the resurrection, uh, the promise, the availability of salvation through Christ, the fact of Emmanuel, God with us. Wow, you are amazing. You have our attention. You have our adoration. You have our praise here. And uh, God, we are grateful for all you have done. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, Radiant. And on behalf of myself and my wife and our family, uh, we want to say Merry Christmas uh, to you in these times. Uh, I trust that you've had a, a time of Christmas to where you've had presents and food and all of that uh, wonderful stuff. But I also just really trust that this has been a week for you of just even some restoration, some reflection, um, some just grabbing a hold and uh, giving praise unto the Lord for all that he has done. As you know, we've been walking through Luke chapters 1 and 2. Uh, we've seen the announcement of Emmanuel. We've seen the arrival of Emmanuel. We've seen the adoration of Emmanuel. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the acceptance of Emmanuel, the acceptance of Emmanuel. So if you would, please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And I know you're at home. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, go grab your Bible, bring it over, put it on your lap. It's just a cool, cool thing to know that you are there with your Bibles open uh, as we're here in our home uh, worshiping the Lord together in his word. I want to just begin with a thought on the table for us, and then I think it'll develop out over this next 25, 30 minutes of time here together. And the thought is this, Emmanuel's presence reveals what I am about. Emmanuel's presence reveals what you and I are about. I think we'll see that unfold here. Well, we've met a number of individuals through our study through Luke chapters 1 and 2, and uh, we're going to meet a few more today. And the first one that we're going to meet here in just a moment is a man, and his name is Simeon. Uh, Simeon. Let me begin in verse 22, chapter 2. I'll read some of that, and we'll get to know Simeon here. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They, which by the way was uh, Joseph and Mary, brought him, who is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then you have this parenthetic statement filling us in on some information. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy or set apart unto the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Uh, the events that are taking place here is taking place at the temple. So let's kind of go there visually uh, at the temple grounds and have that. And we'll kind of follow this through it. And what's happening here comes out of Leviticus chapter 12. It's called the redemption of the firstborn. Now, God had set in place this whole principle that the first belongs to the Lord. And this whole thing that's taking place is really a very cool event that is both driving home this idea of the first belongs uh, unto the Lord. And I just love this. So what takes place 
was 40 days after the birth of a firstborn son. Uh, the parents would go to the temple. And uh, dad would be entering into back here, we had talked about it a while ago, back here in the court of priests. You have around here, kind of the court of the Gentiles, so Jews and Gentiles could come into the temple area. Then if you were a Jew, you could come in through the beautiful gate into what was called the court of women. And in here then, what would take place is Joseph would grab baby Jesus and walk through those doors into the back area there, the court of the priests, where there was an assembly of the priests of the lineage uh, from families of the priestly lineage. Uh, if you remember back in the beginning of this series, Zechariah would have been back there as a lay priest. So he would come back, Joseph would come back with baby Jesus, and uh, he would announce to the priest that I'm here with my firstborn son. Uh, one or some of them would then come and would ask the question, do you want to leave your child as the set-apart one uh, to be given first unto the Lord here at the temple, or would you want to redeem or buy back your child? I mean, think of this. Listen, the fact is, is that every parent essentially would buy back, redeem their child. But, but the lesson, the imagery that this brings, that the firstborn son is unto the Lord. And so Joseph would bring Jesus back there and, and he would say, I'm here with my firstborn son. Uh, then they would ask the question. He would say, I would like to redeem back. I would like to buy back out of Leviticus 12, uh, my son. Uh, the, the, he would then recite a benediction, he would offer a sacrifice. You see in verse uh, 24 there, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. By the way, that's kind of this quiet shout out that Joseph and Mary were poor. If you go to Leviticus 12, you'd find that a non-poor uh, couple would offer a lamb. Uh, but for a poor couple, they could offer uh, these two turtle doves or a, a young pigeons. And so the scene here is of Joseph and Mary as well, redeeming back, buying back their firstborn son. Think about that. Buying back through a substitute offering unto the Lord. And essentially the Messiah is submitting to this whole buying back process. The one that is going to be the one who redeems us is the one in this that is still following the Old Testament scriptures. It's just a, a ceremony of great power and beauty in it. Let me read verses 25 and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. A few things in here that we know, that we learn about Simeon. By the way, one of the things that we do not learn about Simeon is actually his age. You can kind of see on the image I have here of Simeon, and most pictures you would see of Simeon show him as older, and it's very possible he was, but we don't know his age. But we do know a couple other things. One, we know that Simeon, by God's grace, was a righteous and devout man. Now, let me say it this way. Simeon lived serious with the Lord. Simeon lived seriously as an abiding with, a walking with the Lord Man, man, that, that tells you a lot about him. He was one who would dig into the Lord. 
We also learn that Simeon was, uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, the text says, awaiting for the consolation of Israel, man. Uh, he was waiting for, he was waiting for the idea of, of being rescued, the idea of, of the comforting plan of God to unfold. He was waiting for that to take place and for that to happen. And it, look, notice in the text, it says he's waiting for the Lord's Christ. He's waiting for the Messiah. And I just want to note this. Think of all the things that could potentially be said about Simeon to define him. Uh, he could be defined by his age. He could be defined by his family. We're actually not told about either of those. You know, he could be defined by his career. He could be defined by his life accomplishments or his degrees or his popularity or his athleticism or his looks or uh, you name it. But scripture does not define him by those things that I might say we oftentimes will define other people by or we define ourselves by. Instead, when we look here at scripture, scripture defines Simeon as a walking with and waiting for the Lord man. Uh, I want to be that kind of guy. Uh, we want to be that kind of persons. And friends, what we're seeing here, and we will continue to see here in the text, is that whenever Emmanuel is present, who people are, what they are about becomes revealed. Let's pick up in verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took baby Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Uh, by the way, that's kind of the reason we get this idea that Simeon may have been older in age. He's talking about now I can like depart this earth and, and, and be good about it. By the way, I love the terminology, that word that's for depart in peace. Back in that day, that term would be used for the untying of a boat to a dock. So you would have this boat, this sailboat, tied to a dock. And he's referring to now uh, the fact that he's seeing the Lord's Messiah. It's like, my life has been tied to this dock of, might we say, earth? Uh, boats are not meant to be stuck tied to a dock. And he's going, it's time, Lord, to untie me and let me sail off with you, if I might say it that way. By the way, what a great view for the person in Christ of death. Not here is untied from here and sailing off into the sunset with the Lord. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation in baby Jesus uh, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's interesting. And for glory to your people, Israel. And his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary, marveled at what was said about him. This marveling, I just want to note this. It's not the idea of they're befuddled by and they're trying to figure out. It's this idea of an astonished marveling. It's actually, the word is used in verse 18 uh, with the shepherds when they were telling about Christ and those who heard were marveling at, they were taking it in. And here it carries the idea of a continuing idea. What's going on here? 
Joseph and Mary, with hearing what Simeon has to say, they are continuing this idea of being awed by what God is doing right in front of them and through them. It's a neat idea. And might I say it this way? That should be us. Never should the story of Christ, the truth of Christ in the manger and the cross, in the resurrection, never should it get dull. But there should always be a sense of marveling astonishment at what the Lord is doing. Let's pick up verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, now, are, are, are Joseph and Mary together? And then uh, Simeon turns his head to Mary. I don't know. But what he's about to say kind of has this, at least his eyes are looking at Mary when he says this. And Simeon says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Go to the middle of verse 35. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is really important. Hey, moms, dads, uh, remember when your child is younger or uh, as they get older, you wonder, I wonder what our child, our children are going to be when they grow up. Well, here in verse 34, uh, Simeon tells them not only who their child is, but kind of what life is going to be like with and out of this child. This child, he says, is appointed for the fall and the rising of many and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Imagine getting that information of 40 days after the birth of your child that your child is gonna be a lightning rod. I mean, that's really what Simeon is kind of saying here. And it's interesting. He's just kind of directing this, uh, I think at both, but particularly at Mary. Mary, your son is going to be a lightning rod that reveals hearts. And he, we have in the beginning of verse 35, this parenthetic statement and to Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. This lightning rod child that the Lord is bringing through you to hear. Uh, Mary, uh, know this. It is going to be a piercing reality. By the way, in the original language, the word that is used for sword here, it is clear. It's not like a butter knife. It's not like a pocket knife. It's actually a word that's making reference to a big, giant, like war Goliath sword. There is going to be a big sword that is piercing, and the piercing is this idea of a continuing piercing. Imagine that. Hey, your child is going to be a lightning rod, revealing the hearts of many. And know this, it's going to be hard on you as well. It's going to be like a sword piercing through you. Buckle up, guys. Uh, you're bringing the Messiah in. friends. Emmanuel and his birth and his life, as we've already talked about, is a confronting reality. He's coming in to confront the condition and the situation of sin. But it's also a revealing reality. Christ coming in is his presence uh, not only confronts sin, but it reveals the hearts of the thoughts of many. There is no neutral ground 
with Jesus. A couple verses related to that. Luke 5.32, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. By the way, that means that people need to come to understand that they're sinners in need of repentance. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the cross is foolishness to those outside of it. It's offensive. It's a lightning rod. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, Jesus said, keep in mind that it hated me first. The gospel is a lightning rod. And thinking of that, thinking that Jesus is kind of my golfing buddy just doesn't fit that. Thinking that Jesus is my boyfriend doesn't fit that. Thinking that Jesus in the manger is kind of that thing that once a year, a couple times a year, I pay my props to, and then I'm off doing my own thing. Uh, when you hear a statement what, like what Simeon is saying here, here's the fact. Jesus isn't in for that. That's not what it's about. I think Simeon's life instead gives us the idea of what it's about. The Lord's presence reveals that he's looking for people who want to dig in and dive in with him and walk with him and wait for the Lord. Simeon. The next person we meet, we don't have quite as much information about this person, but is a woman. Her name is Anna. Uh, Anna, it means grace. She is such a cool lady. Uh, verse 36. And there was a prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Anna is a prophetess. Uh, she, in other words, is a speaker and declarer of God truth. Uh, when she speaks, it's like God is in the room uh, speaking through. She is putting God's truth on the table of who he is, what he is about, and what that means. She's also, we see here, a, a Jewess who's of the tribe of Asher. She's 84 years old. Her story is that she was married for seven years and then widowed. By the way, this is a woman who knew life hurt, who knew life sorrow. And yet, here she is for some 60-ish years, a faithful, worshiping with fasting, praying nonstop, speaking truth from and for God. Now, there's a woman. There is a woman who even in life hurts, understands there is something far greater and far grander. Look at verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, the very hour of all that was just taking place with Simeon and them at the temple, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. You would expect nothing else from Anna. 
I mean, she speaks from and for the Lord as a worshiping with fasting, praying woman. And God, through the spirit of God, she knows this is the hour something's going on. And she's just being who she's always been over the years. And don't miss this fact. Whenever Emmanuel shows himself, whenever Emmanuel is present, even as a baby, who people are and what people are about are revealed again and again and again. We've seen it with Simeon. Simeon is this walking with and waiting for the Lord man. We've seen it with Anna. Anna is a worshiping with fasting, praying and speaking from and for the Lord woman. And if you follow the gospels through, wherever Emmanuel, wherever Jesus is, and when he is there, you are always learning things about one's around, revealing hearts. He is a lightning rod, revealing truth about the heart of people. And that leads us in to our last group of people. I'm calling them the all who were there. Again, let me look at verse 38 and read that. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to who? To all who were. To all who were there waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Consider where the the there is uh, in this. I mean, they were there where Anna was. They're there where Anna is speaking. Uh, They're there at the temple. And isn't it interesting that, again, we are told not just, and others heard it, because it could have left that way. But we're actually told there were those that were there, and we're told about them. They are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's an understanding of the thoughts and the hearts of what's going on in these people there. They were waiting for God to redeem, to buy back, to do his buying back work unfolding before them. They're waiting for that to take place. By the way, which is so much what Simeon was. Verse 25, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the brief picture that we have of these individuals is these are not dabbling around with the Lord people. They're just not like dabbling. These are people who are digging in. They are present. Uh, They are wanting to hear. They are gathering together. And as they come together, they hear Anna praising the Lord and proclaiming the Lord. They are a together waiting for the Lord's rescuing work to be done. Man, what a description of people. Together, waiting for the Lord to do his rescuing work. And Radiant, I just, with that, I just want to pause and thank you. Because just in this Christmas time, one of the things I'm grateful for is just, I think you are that kind of a people. I mean, think about it. You value being a together people. I mean, here we've been in this very bizarre year. And whether it's online or whether it's in the house at church or whether it's here in our houses, 
there's a value of being together that continues. I know it's been a blessing to me to even on Sundays at church to get online and to be reminded of literally the hundreds of people that are joining together at the same time. It's a beautiful thing, and I thank you for that. Uh, you value being uh, together waiting for people. Like, Lord, come. Lord, come. Uh, we're, until then, we're here together waiting for you. And I especially, I just want to say thank you for being uh, together waiting and hearing from the Lord people. Bible's open, heart's ready. Lord, we want to hear from you who you are and what you have to say and what you're doing. Thank you for being that. May we continue that on in the years ahead. There is a theme throughout scripture that when God's people gather together waiting for in the presence of the Lord, God shows up. And that's what's happening here in Luke chapter 2. Well, the acceptance of Emmanuel. And Simeon's statement in verse 34, 35, this idea that Emmanuel's presence is going to result in the revealing of the thoughts of hearts of people. Emmanuel's presence is revealed about Simeon, that he's a, a walking with and waiting for the Lord man. It's revealed about Anna, that she is a worshiping with fasting, uh, praying and speaking the truth from and for God woman. It's revealed about all who were, uh, those people together waiting for and hearing from the Lord people. And on this Sunday, following Christmas, and on this last Sunday of 2020, I think this is a great time to each ask ourselves, what has the presence of Emmanuel revealed about me? What has the presence of Emmanuel revealed about you over this year? I think the Lord has stirred us all up. And what is it revealing? Over these last four Sundays, it's been revealing that the acceptance of Emmanuel looks like Zachariah and Elizabeth. It looks like Mary and Joseph. It looks like the shepherds. It looks like Simeon and Anna and all who were there. Let's make it personal. What does it reveal about you and me? Jesus said in chapter 9 of Luke, if anyone would come after me, let her, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Man, that's a call to dig in. Maybe 2020 has ended up being a spiritual re revealing year for you. Maybe in potentially three different ways. Maybe it's revealed through trials that God has been doing a maturing work in you. 
Now, I want to tell you, those are the times where look at that and rejoice in that and praise the Lord for his maturing work in your life. And let's dig in more next year. Maybe it's revealed through trials that, frankly, when it really comes down to it, your faith has been a dabbling faith. Hey, can I just say, let's move from dabbling to digging in in 2021. Third, uh, maybe it's revealed that there's really been no acceptance of Emmanuel in your life. Listen, that is not something to be discouraged about. That is actually something to dig in because there's an answer for that. He has come that we might have hope of relationship with God through the work of Christ. And in fact, we're going to be delving in here this coming month for the next four Sundays, the first four Sundays in January. We're going to be delving into being refreshed. And uh, the first Sunday, next Sunday, refreshed in the gospel story. And maybe you're at a place where it's kind of like, man, I'm really not sure where I'm at with the Lord. I'm really not sure if I've driven the stake in the ground with Christ. I don't know if Luke chapter 9 is the fact of me and being someone that is following and giving up and serving the Lord. Hey, we're going to dig into that starting next Sunday refreshed in the gospel and then it's refreshed in the radiant story and then refreshed in who we are and what we do and then refreshed with what's ahead. May we finish this year out with the Lord revealing our own hearts. May we enter into next year excited to get refreshed in the Lord. Be radiant. Emmanuel has come. And it is out of that that we have hope and help and great promise through the work of Christ. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for the fact of you having stepped into our broken world, born in a manger, gone to the cross, risen from the dead, and death and sin is defeated. And your work made available to all. Lord, I pray that that truth would be something that we anchor ourselves in at the end of this year. And it is the very thing that we ground ourselves and stake ourselves in for this coming year. You are good. You are with us. And we rejoice in that truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.